Good morning, ladies. Uniforms. Breakfast. I woke up the next morning with the pencil still in my hand, and when I went to scratch my face, I almost lost an eye. Ah. This is Jaylee's No Joke, a Spotify original podcast. My name is Jose Rafael Guzman, and this story is based on real events. Any resemblance to reality is pure coincidence. Texas. 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 Episode 4. I had been in jail just three days, and I almost lost my ass, an eye, and my dignity. I put the pencil down got out of bed and grabbed my breakfast tray. Today, they gave us two boiled sausages with fries. I left the sausages and ate the potatoes. Guzman, you've got a visitor. It's your lawyer. I felt happy. I knew I was not alone. There were people on the outside working to get me out. And one of those people was Osvaldo. Osvaldo is a friend who works at a medical cannabis company in Florida. He was on the legal side of cannabis and I was on the illegal side. But at least we had something in common, cannabis. He, through his contacts, found a lawyer in Texas who was able to help me. They handcuffed me and took me to the visiting room. A long room with a metal desk and cubicles. Each cubicle has a glass that separates you from the visitor. You have to use a black cable telephone to speak, like the old school ones used in the 80s. On the other side of the glass, I saw a man with cowboy hat, a cowboy shirt, a cowboy belt buckle, cowboy boots. He just needed a gun. He was a real cowboy. Hello, my name is Mr. Jupe. Do you want me to be your lawyer? Yes, yes, I want you to be my lawyer, please. And I wish to leave right now. Okay, let's start over. My name is Mr. Jupe, and everything's gonna be all right because I'm your lawyer. First, I want you to know that I'm a liberal lawyer, not a conservative. So I'm in favor of the legalization of cannabis and against the retrograde loss of taxes. Cases like yours happen every day, and we solve them. We're going to solve everything, but it is a process, and it takes time. Okay, um, uh, how long? In the best case scenario, it's six months. In the worst one, a year and a half. Six months? I'm going to explain something to you. Yesterday, someone tried to stick a finger in my ass. So, if it takes you six months, they're going to make divine love to me and I'll have a baby. And when the times come, I won't go because I'm gonna be someone else in love with my son's father. So, I ask you, please, get me out of here. Look, Jose Rafael, I know you're very worried. But remember, you must be strong. And don't let yourself be raped. Bye. 
When I saw Mr. Jeep riding away on his horse and leaving a cloud of dust, I understood that I was going nowhere for what would probably be months, not days, as I was hoping. And trust me, that was a very strong emotional blow. I felt a lot of sadness, not only for myself, but for all the people around me. I became aware that if you fall prisoner, it's not only your problem, but also affects those close to you. The guilt you feel is double, because even if it doesn't seem like it, they also fall prisoners. This is a prepaid call from Jose Guzman, an inmate at the county correctional facility. All phone calls are subject to recording and monitoring. To decline this call, press 9 now and to accept this call, press 1 now. Thank you. Your call has been accepted. Well, man, you gotta be patient. I know it's hard. Every day we're learning something new. The main learning is that you fell into a system, which is a disgrace, but we are finding the best way so you can get out of there as soon as possible. But you are in the system, and you gotta be patient. I know, my friend. I know. It's just that. I know it sucks. I'm telling you, wow, dude, I wasn't expecting this. It's like a joke. Yes, it's like a joke. I'll call you tomorrow. Call me anytime, okay? As soon as I got back to the cell, I laid down on my bed, hiding myself in and started crying. Espina approached me like a mother who wants to comfort a child and said, Don't hide. In prison, everyone cries. Nobody here is less of a man for crying or more of a man for fighting because that's what we all do here. At that moment, I knew that I could not swim against the current. I had to let everything flow. But most importantly, I had to make friends with each of my cellmates, no matter who they were or why they were there. Juan Moreno. He had an Adonis body. He was a former UFC fighter. He liked to sing so loud in the shower. He was covered in tattoos, one for each girlfriend he had ever had. He was in jail for possession of 40 pounds of meth. Sarillo was 18 years old. He had a son at the age of 16. He was as small as a 12-year-old boy. Found with a wax and also, he suffered from cardiac arrhythmia. Isaias was caught with 800 pounds of marijuana in his truck and he killed 25 people. In El Paso, he was a drug dealer, and in Ciudad Juarez, he was a hitman. Espina, the classic criminal with a good heart. 
was 24 years old but act like a 16 years old. He stopped a guy to death and he was a card thief. Leighton! He rarely spoke but he liked to rap. He took great care of his breaths. He liked having the TV remote. He always carried a photo of his son in his hand and he was caught with one pound of meth after running over two elderly women. El Cholo was a very fatherly guy. He had grain black hair, a mustache, a tattoo of Jesus. He was a father and carpenter. He was in jail for snorting cocaine at a bar. Trevor Travis was a classic spoiled brat, redhead. He was hungry all day. He loved car racing and was caught with a half pound of cannabis brownies. Urabi, Arab Muslim. He had studied journalism in Jordan and came to the United States in search of the American dream. He fell in love with a Dominican woman with whom he married. He was in jail for possession of medical cannabis. These were my cellmates. Not all of them were here for the same amount of time. Some stayed longer, others less. As was the case with Peyote, the cellmate who had tried to abuse me on the second night and whom I never saw again after that day. He was taken to another jail and I heard he was sentenced to 15 years. I remember asking why his name was Peyote. They answered me. Because it makes you hallucinate like he did to you. <laughs> Juan Moreno was one of the first ones to talk to me. He was the alpha here. In every cell block, there is always a leader who represents the block in front of the rest of the jail and creates some order on his own. Normally, he is the one who negotiates when there are fights. He complains to the guards on behalf of his colleagues, and obviously, he is the one who decides who has the TV remote. If you ask me, that's the most alpha thing. Moreno was the first to ask me my name and where I was from. I told him, my name is Jose from Venezuela. And he told me, from now on, your name is Venezuela. That was my official nickname. From Moreno, I learned two things. The first, how to make cheese in jail. Making cheese in prison is very simple. You only need two ingredients, milk and to be in jail. The first thing you have to do is take the milk, open it, blow a little air inside and close it again. Then take it and put it in the coolest place in the cell, which is under the air conditioner. After that, you have to wait about a week while the milk curdles and start to turn into a kind of yogurt. You open it, throw out the water that remains on the surface, close it again and wait another couple of days. The milk will solidify and reduce in size. The perfect point is when it is floating on liquid. Done. 
the second thing Moreno taught me was that you can have cocaine in jail. I did imagine that in jail, many prisoners used drugs. However, after going through the entrance check, I thought that was impossible. But one day, Moreno in a naughty way addressed the group saying, Today, we are going to have a white party. The other prisoners thought it was a joke. So Moreno went to the bathroom and came back with a bag of cocaine. He offered it to everyone. I told him I didn't want to. And El Cholo said out loud, he's so fucking green, stick. He's so fucking green. It was true. I was so green that I asked Moreno, Where were you keeping that cocaine? To which he replied at once, Oh, son, stop asking stupid questions. It was the most beautiful way of telling me that it was on his butt. They all took the cocaine and went crazy. They were enjoying themselves as if we were not prisoners. The next thing you know, The cell became a nightclub in Mexico. Woo After a crazy time, they all finally fell asleep. The next day, when we woke up, Moreno complained of a severe headache, thanks to sinusitis aggravated by the cocaine. The guards took him for medical service. And what Moreno didn't know is that in jail, they do drugs tests on everyone who needs medical attention, which we heard about several weeks later. Moreno never returned to the cell. He was transferred to another jail and sentenced to 20 years. As soon as they found out Moreno had done cocaine, eight guards came to our cell screaming and asking where the drugs were. Where are the drugs? Where are the fucking drugs? They handcuffed us and took us to the patio. They lined us up, each one the guards with their flashlights shining on our faces, asking us one by one, where are the drugs? We were there until 3 a.m. While these eight guards interrogated us, another three searched the cell from top to bottom until they realized that there was nothing there since everything was in Moreno's butt. The guards searching the cell came out to the patio. One of them was really upset He pointed his flashlight directly at Espina's face and told him, I know you have something to do with this. I'm going to do everything possible to get you at least two more years in jail. Two weeks in the hole for you. They took us back to the cell and we were in shock. We had two losers, Moreno, whom we never saw again, and Espina, who was in solitary confinement for two weeks. When he returned, he was so thin, 
he looked like a barbecue rib after you eat it. Before going to sleep, everyone got out to ask how the guards had found out about this. Everyone wondered if there was a snitch. So I felt the need to clear things up. Guys, I want to make something clear. I know I'm the newest, but I want you to know that I didn't say anything to anyone. At that moment, they all remained silent. They looked at me, they looked at each other, they looked at me again, and laughed at the same time. <laughs> and Cholo said to me, like a father, No, Venezuela, no one is thinking it was you. How could it be you if you can't even speak English? You fucking green bastard. Despite all this, what surprised me the most was not that they transferred Moreno, not that they took Spina to solitary, not the searches on the patio. What really shocked me was that Moreno had been in jail for about two months when I arrived and took out the cocaine two days after I had arrived. So how long did Moreno have cocaine in his butt? <laughs> <laughs> 